the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area, and Happy New Year. I hope this will be a a safe and kind and profitable new year for all of you out there in my listening audience. I hope you had a good holiday season and you were able to spend time with the people that you care about and that you were able to do some things that you've been planning to do all year and finally were able to do in December. And uh, I know I had a pretty quiet holiday time with my family and my in-laws visiting from Chicago, Illinois. Go Bears! Um, not so much this year, but go Bears anyway. And uh, so it's it's been um, an interesting last month or so for me. Um, because of illness and other things, I wasn't able to actually be on the air for the last couple of weeks uh, of December. But I'm back here today, here in January, with the first show of the new year. Uh, those of you who've been listening for quite some time, you know that I um, I do regular seminars um, at my office. Uh, I have one coming up a week from Saturday, my Living Trust Seminar. Uh, you could go to my website at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com, and find a link to register for the seminar there. Or you can go to eventbrite.com and find a link to register for the seminar there. And uh, so that is the main thing I have coming up in my office a week from tomorrow. So you can go ahead and check into that if you'd like. If you can't make it to a live seminar, you can go to my YouTube channel, Law Offices of Robert P. Bergman, and you'll find an older version of my Living Trust seminar there, but a version that is not going to um, be radically different from what uh, from what I do today, some of the numbers have changed, but the concepts and the principles for why we do estate planning and avoiding conservatorship and probate, those things haven't really changed. I will say that um, a few things have happened in the world of um, of trust. There are um, some new numbers out there for the amount of estate that's excluded from uh, federal estate tax. Uh, it has gone up. The exemption is now, drum roll please, $11.58 million per person dying who's eligible in this country. 
It was $11.4 million in 2019. It's now gone up to $11.58 million. Uh, In California, there's been a change in the um, the small estate affidavit for um, for how much estate you'd have that you can avoid going through the probate process. Uh, give me a moment here. I'm going to check just what that's gone up to. It used to be a hundred um, hundred and fifty thousand dollars of property, but the legislature raised it effective January one. Now this is actually effective for people dying on or after January 1. If you died before that, the old number applies. The new number is now $166,250. Now, that is the amount that you could transfer personal property. If the total value of the property is under that amount when someone died, you don't have to do probate. You can do the small estate affidavit under Section 13100 of the Probate Code. You can do the same amount with a petition to determine succession to real property, meaning real estate in the state, under Probate Code Section 13151. And that is basically you could have real estate petitioning the court up to $166,250 if that's the only thing that you had. And then there can be an affidavit of real property of small value used to be $50,000. That's now up to $55,425. So not huge changes. I think they roughly went up by about 10% across the board from what it was last year. But if you have a a, a regular house here in the Bay Area, or if you've got uh, investments, things like that, life insurance that gets paid to your estate, you're probably not going to be able to use these small estate affidavit, affidavit procedures, but at least it's something to be aware of. Now, remember, they only apply for someone who has died on or after January 1 of this year. If someone died prior to this year, you're under the old rules, whatever the old rules happen to be in the year where the person died. That's what would apply. So, um, let's see. So here's a question. Um, I'm going to continue on with questions and comments from around the state of California because I find that there's often some very interesting situations that come to my attention, and I want to share those with you out in the listening audience. Uh, By the way, if you'd like to call in and ask a question, the number is 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220 if you'd like to call and uh, talk with me on the air today. You could also email me if you'd like to email a question to radio at lawbob, that's R-A-D-I-O at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com, and uh, I can respond to questions that way as well on the air. All right, so here's a, a question out of San Diego. It says, My client's husband was an attorney, and he drafted their trust. He has since passed away. He set up the trust, allowing the creation of a survivor's trust and a bypass trust, but he did not mandate it. The wording appears to allow the survivor to choose. I would say right there, make sure if you have a trust where you think that's the case, that you have it reviewed 
by a competent estate planning attorney to see if, in fact, that's what it says. So the question is, they have no children. Is she going to be forced into creating a survivor's trust or she can, can keep the trust as it is? Uh, actually, it would be being forced into creating a bypass trust because that's the one that would be um, could be mandated to be created by a trust if she's permitted to um, not create the bypass trust then that means that everything ends up in the survivor's trust as the surviving um, spouse and there's really nothing particularly that may need to be done except maybe to remove the deceased husband's name from title to real estate, title to bank accounts, things like that. And if there's any bank accounts that were not in the trust name or brokerage accounts for that matter, <clears throat> then there probably should be a consideration to to transfer those into the trust name so that they avoid uh, conservatorship probate for the surviving spouse if the surviving spouse becomes incapacitated or passes away. Now, here's a quick one right here. Uh, says, my father died without a will. He owned a warehouse with three other people. Do we need to go through probate? The answer is, oh, yes. Um, this is one of the issues when you have people that have common ownership of a property. In this case, if there was no will, and uh, they would have to go through probate for the heirs of this person to receive, the, the in this case, the 25% interest in the warehouse that um, that needs to be uh, passed on to whoever's going to inherit from them. So we're coming up on the first break of the show today. If you'd like to call in, it's 800-516-1220. Otherwise, when we come back after the break, I'll continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, Plan Your Estate radio host. I'll talk with you after the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. If you'd like to call in, the number is 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. I'm going to continue on with more um, questions and comments from around the state of California. Uh, here's one <clears throat> out of Southern California. Here's the situation. Person says, my elderly parents don't have wills or a trust. They own a house with me and we're all joint tenants. Now, joint tenants or joint tenants with right of survivorship means that whoever is the last living joint tenant will end up owning the entire property. My mother's ill and wants to create a will and a trust for herself. She also wants to leave personal property to someone who isn't a child, but doesn't think my dad will do so once she's gone. The house doesn't need a trust since it comes to the ultimate survivor, but can she make a will for her portion of the house and her personal property? Well, mom can certainly create a will for her personal property, but she can't make a will for her portion of the house because when she dies, she doesn't own any part of the house anymore to go through a will because it's a joint tenancy. 
Um, if mom really wants to do that, she needs to do what's called sever the joint tenancy. It's kind of hard if it's if it's she and her spouse. It may actually also be community property under the law, and it might be kind of difficult to sever the joint tenancy. Also, severing the joint tenancy could trigger some um, tax ramifications. I don't know any of the details of how this property was set up originally as joint tenants, whether it was acquired together by these parties or whether the parents owned it and then added a child to the title as a joint tenant. The bottom line is here, I think the property should be owned by a trust by the parents so that it can be passed on to their child when they're both gone and their child can get it at its full market value for income tax purposes. And they also have a way to handle the property if one or both parents get ill, uh, you want to avoid having a conservatorship unless it's absolutely necessary um, because a conservatorship just means more time and expense for the family, which could be dealt with right up front by having an advanced health care directive, power of attorney, and property owned in a trust. Okay, Ooh, here's a here's a question that I'm sure... Um, this can apply to a number of people out there who are living in a situation like this. Do I need a will or set up a trust to pass my rental property and bank accounts to my partner? We've been living together the past 12 years in California. It says, I know it might not happen in case I pass. <laughs> okay. At some point, this person will die. Um, it will happen at some point. So the question, though, was, does my partner get all my properties and wealth? We have stock brokerage accounts with each other as beneficiary, and we each have our own personal bank accounts. I have my primary home, and she lives with me. Well, the answer is someone's partner, or what I refer to typically as life partner, meaning there is not an actual marriage. We're not talking about registered domestic partners who are registered with the state of California and are eligible to do so, who will have inheritance rights. If this is an unmarried couple just living together, then your partner will not get your properties and wealth unless you have done estate planning to provide for that. That's just the way it is. Just because you've lived together 12 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, it doesn't matter. In the absence of a marriage, if there's no planning, then the property is likely going to go to the heirs under the law of the person who died. In this case, I would say this person needs to set up a will or trust to make sure his property goes to his life partner should he die before his life partner does. Um, as an aside, and, and I'm going to be covering this a little bit later, maybe even in this segment. Um, let me kind of segue into that right now. Okay, where was that? That was an interesting one. Someone said, yeah. Um, here's a case of someone who never divorced his first wife. And then uh, the assertion is, but he has a common law wife of 25 years. Uh, if he becomes ill, what right does the first wife have? See, the thing is here, my husband has lived with another woman for over 30 years. 
in February of this year. He was diagnosed with early dementia, and the woman then took off, left him to fend for himself. Even though we've been apart for 50 years and never divorced, do I have the right to go care for him? The answer is absolutely you do, if you choose to do so. Uh, You are still married. If you never got divorced, you're still married. There is no such thing as a common law spouse in California unless you became a common law spouse in a state that permits that under its laws. Let me repeat that. You cannot enter into a common law marriage in the state of California just by living together for a number of years. And even by telling everybody we're married and even by filing married tax returns. And I've run into people who have done this thinking that they were married when they actually were not. You cannot enter into a common law marriage in the state of California. You can, however, have a common law marriage from a state that permits it move to California and then be treated as a married couple under California law. So it's a little bit tricky there. I will tell you right now, if you're out there and uh, and you lived in a common law state and entered into a common law marriage, then moved to California, consider just going through uh, and, and getting um, remarried here in California to make sure it's absolutely clear. If you're cohabitating with somebody and you think that you're in a common law marriage because you've been living together for a long time and it's all been here in California, as quickly as possible, head down to City Hall or hop on the next flight to Las Vegas and get married in the Chapel of Love by Elvis so that you can actually turn around and uh, and actually have a valid marriage in California. Marco, could you repeat that for me? Time, I think you gave me a time stamp and I didn't catch it. Okay, great. So I have a couple, a little less than two minutes left in this segment. I thought um, I will, uh, let's see, jump ahead here. Let me just um, talk a little bit about what is going to be coming up this year. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I will be having one of my Living Trust seminars a week from tomorrow at 9 a.m. at my office in San Jose. You can go to lawbob.com or eventbrite.com and find the links to register for that. I want to let you all know again before we come to the mid-show break, you can call me at 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. So when we come back after the break, I'm going to be continuing on with more, uh, more situations here in California. Just a real quick one before we go. Does my will need to be notarized if I live in California? California, we don't really notarize wills. That's done in some other states like Florida, for example, but we don't do that in California. So after the break, we'll continue with more questions and comments. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Now back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back to the third segment of the first show of 2020. I'm hoping that this will be the year where we're in the year of hindsight. I'm sorry, that was a 
pretty weak joke, but, you know, uh, if you got the joke, give yourself some points. If you didn't get the joke, I'll explain it later on towards the end of the show. So here we are in the year of hindsight, where hindsight is always this year. And uh, moving on with more of the the questions and comments from around the state of California, let me jump here to Los Angeles. Los Angeles, the person's asking, once the small estate affidavit has been filed for real property transfer under the probate code, what's the next step in transferring the property title? Is there a new deed? Well, I would say if you have a court order, um, if if you actually have a small estate affidavit that's filed for real property, that should be able to be recorded, assuming that the real property uh, let's see, this was back in December of last year, assuming that the real property was less than $50,000 in value. It could have been, for example, a um, a parcel of property that was unimproved, a vacant lot or something like that, that might be worth, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. I think you would actually record the um, small estate affidavit uh, with the recorder's office, and that would actually transfer the title. If you did... Uh, one of those court petitions because it was worth maybe a hundred or one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, then you'd record a certified copy of the court order to transfer the title. Okay, this is out of Huntington Beach, California. Um, let's see. Mom died in August of two thousand sixteen. Dad is still living. The deed to their house is in both parents' names. My father recently completed a living trust leaving his three daughters as his beneficiary when he dies. He also filled out a power of attorney. He's now trying to fund the trust. Let me explain. Funding a trust means transferring the ownership of property into the ownership of the trust. He sent over the living trust death certificate of his wife, copy of the deed, copy of the property tax, and is paying $375 to have the trust funded. Now the attorney is calling saying they need $375 for them to do an affidavit death of trustee. Is the affidavit death of trustee needed to fund the living trust? Well, this is a little bit confusing question. It sounds like the house was originally in a trust owned by the parents with both of them as trustees of the trust. If that's the case, it's necessary to remove the name of the now deceased trustee, in this case, uh, the mother, from the title in order to do anything additional with the property. Um, If dad created a whole new trust and wants to transfer the house into his entire new trust, then yes, there will need to be an affidavit death of trustee, or what I use as an affidavit change of trustee with a death certificate attached, showing that the trustee is changing because a trustee has died. Um, That would be needed to clear the title to the property into the name of the surviving spouse, the dad, as the only trustee left. And then the dad could transfer the property from that trust into his new trust. Um, This is, of course, assuming that the trust that mom and dad had uh, leaves everything to the survivor of the two of them and is not the kind of trust that would actually require that it be divided up into uh, two trusts at the death of the first spouse. 
Some of those um, actually do exist. Many older trusts, that's exactly the type of trust that's set up. So uh, you'd have to kind of look carefully at that in this situation. But yes, it's likely that an affidavit of change of trustee or death of trustee would have to be recorded to clear the title of the property into the name of the surviving spouse, in this case, the husband. Okay, question out of Los Angeles. May I have assets held with joint ownership, with right of survivorship, with my sister instead of my spouse? Well, the short answer to the question is yes. The longer, more involved answer is maybe or possibly no. It kind of depends on the assets. It depends on if we're talking about things that were owned prior to a marriage or inherited during a marriage and that are, in fact, separate properties, separate from the marriage and not community property, which is part of the marriage. If it's separate property, then someone could say, I have this bank account I inherited and I want to put my sister on as a joint tenant with right of survivorship. So um, when I pass away, if she's still alive, she gets that account. You could certainly do that. However, you can't really do that with money or property that is owned by the marriage without the express consent and cooperation of the spouse permitting that. Um, In other words, if you were to take money out of a bank account owned with your spouse and then open a new bank account and make it a joint tenancy account with your sister, your spouse could probably demand that that money be returned or lay claim to that money when you die because you took it from money that was jointly owned with your spouse, which means it's community property. The law does not permit one spouse to give away community property of the marriage without the consent of the other spouse. Now, people say, are you kidding? Say, no, not at all. Not at all. Uh, I mean, a classic example, I can't remember the person's name and or even the team that he owned, but this owner of a professional uh, basketball team, I believe, in Los Angeles, can't think of his name right now, uh, he went through a divorce, and one of the things that his wife divorcing him went after was all the things that he had given to his girlfriend, I think like a fur coat and other things like that. She demanded that everything be returned back to the marriage to be divided up in the divorce. She had every right to do that because I'm guessing, I think I'm on solid ground here, she probably did not consent to her husband taking money from the marriage to buy his girlfriend a fur coat. So she's entitled to have the fur coat returned or the value of it returned if it was no longer around because he had no authority to use their money to buy something for his girlfriend. Um, people are surprised when they hear that and say, nope, that's just something to keep in mind if you're out there and deciding you're going to lavish expensive gifts on your boyfriend or girlfriend when you're married. Uh, it could end up backfiring in a major way. And uh, ending up not only with your marriage being dissolved, but probably your relationship with that boyfriend or girlfriend being dissolved as well. So my advice to all of you out there who are doing this now, um, turn away from that. Um, Deal with that. If you can't stand being with your spouse, do the honorable thing in the marriage with your spouse instead of running around behind your spouse's back. 
Uh, it never really ends well for anybody. And from an estate planning standpoint and a family law standpoint, it's not going to work either. It's going to turn out to be very, very bad. Now, I know I may have offended some of you out there by the advice I just gave, but I can tell you it's sound advice. And uh, and sometimes marriages, unfortunately, should not continue on for a whole host of reasons. And uh, it's unfortunate. I've been through that myself. It's very painful. I don't recommend it to anybody. One of the reasons why I don't recommend that people put themselves in the situation where they may end up with no choice. So here is another one out of Los Angeles. Um says, I have no family. Friends are all dead. Who do I make the beneficiary and executor of my will? I don't even know where to leave my property once it's done. I don't know where to begin. Would appreciate some help with this. Well, if someone came to me with a situation like that, I would probably start first by saying, if you really need someone to handle things for you after you're gone, you probably also need someone who could act on a power of attorney for finances and also an advanced healthcare directive for you to make medical and healthcare decisions for you if you don't want the county where you live making those decisions for you. So in this case, someone might be um, well served by interviewing a local professional fiduciary in the area where they live, someone whose profession is to do things like handle finances and, if necessary, make healthcare decisions for somebody following the instructions in their advanced directive. And if you don't know who to leave property to, then you might want to consider one or more charities that you think could use your property and use it in an effective way. There's many charities out there. I have some charities that I see over and over again, people leaving in my practice. I won't name those right now, but I might name them to someone meeting with me as charities that do good work and that could actually benefit from having an inheritance left to them so that they continue doing more of the good work that they have. So if you don't have somebody you want to leave it to, leave it to one or more charities. Otherwise, it will escheat to the state. That's the legal term. Escheat means there's no one to inherit. And I think it's not a coincidence that the word cheat appears in the word escheat. So if you don't want it to go to the state of California, leave it to one or more charities. Then at least you've got, uh, you know, it's going to be doing some good. And the state's not going to take it and spend it on some more things that no nobody in the state really wants or needs. So we're coming up on the third break of the show. When we come back, I will wrap up the show with more of the uh, questions and comments from around the state of California. So when we come back after the break, this is state planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio. And we'll pick up after this brief commercial break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. We're on the last segment of our show today. This is a uh, fairly long segment, uh, but not too long. So I thought I would cover a few more questions and comments from around the state 
and then uh, then wrap up the show for today. Uh, so here, let's see, we have someone said out of uh, Visalia, they have a copy of a trust from their grandparents, naming them as the sole beneficiary and, and uh, an uncle as a successor trustee. In the copy of the trust in my possession from 2017, it says that everything's left to me. Now, the successor trustee has told me the trust was amended, but I've asked to see a copy, but he's not provided it to me. He told me there's eighty-five dollars to $90,000 left and wants to set me up on a monthly payment. He mentions the money is now sitting in his personal account outside of the trust. There are so many red flags here, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, if the trust was was changed and this person's still the beneficiary, it sounds like the grandparents are deceased. That If that's the case, the beneficiary is entitled as a matter of law to see a copy of the trust, which has to be provided by the successor trustee. The next question is, what happened to all the property that was in the trust? And if there's tens of thousands of dollars left and to set up a monthly payment, you know, the trust has to provide for that for to do something like that. Otherwise, this person's entitled to receive the inheritance from the grandparents. But then mentioning that the money's now not in the trust at all anymore, but is sitting in his personal account, that's a violation of the obligations as a trustee. It's a violation of trust law. It could technically be treated as embezzlement or a form of theft by the trustee. And this is a very serious matter. Um, If I was advising this person, I refer them to local counsel that handles estate and trust disputes to immediately send a letter to the uncle saying, give up the money now, resign as trustee now, and turn everything over now. Otherwise, face the consequences, and the consequences could be quite severe. Okay, South of Los Angeles. Person said, my father-in-law died and there are 22 properties in the estate. That's quite an estate. My wife is the trustee. One of her brothers is a beneficiary and the other brother is getting $100, which means the other brother is basically being disinherited by um, by the father-in-law. The one brother who's a beneficiary is trying to force my wife to sell properties right away to get money. Does the beneficiary have any rights over the trustee? Does the trustee make all the decisions if none, one, or some or all properties get sold? I'll start first by saying that the trustee is in charge of handling the administration of a trust after somebody has died, as in this case. That doesn't mean that the trustee is an absolute dictator and can enforce their will without regard to the interests of the beneficiaries of the trust. The trustee does make the decisions, but if it says distribute the property to the to um, a brother who's a beneficiary, he's entitled to have that distributed to him, regardless of what his sister, the trustee, may think. Um, and she cannot just kind of arbitrarily hold on to everything as long as she wants. She can certainly sit down with her brother and say, I don't think it's a good time to sell. I think you should hold on to it longer, whatever it is. But there's no right to just hold on and decide things without regard to the needs or desires of the beneficiary 
if, in fact, the beneficiary is entitled to receive the property. That's not something a beneficiary is given the discretion to do unless the trust explicitly gives that discretion to the trustee. It has to be some special rules, some special guidelines, some special authority given to the trustee of the trust. Uh, The trustee of the trust can't just arbitrarily decide what they're going to do or not do. They have to follow what the trust says. They have to follow what the trust law says. And the failure to do one or both of those could lead to the trustee being removed as the trustee and replaced with someone who's going to follow the terms of the trust and the terms of the law. I've got one more to cover today before we call it for today. And this is a situation where um, a brother and his, someone and his brother are co-trustees inherited a house from their mother. At the time of mom's death, my brother was living in the house with her. Initially, we both agreed we'd add an upstairs with a separate entrance. Then he decides he would rather sell the home. Then he decides he's going to have me and my 16-year-old forced to leave. So he gets a restraining order against me, which was found insufficient. Although the restraining order was dropped, I still can't go to the house because of his, quote, established residency. He's gone through the property, removed anything and everything that was my dad's and our mom's. He's living there rent-free while I'm paying $1,400 rent, getting absolutely nothing from our inheritance. Please help. The bottom line here, he needs to go to court, have the property ordered to be sold by the court so he can divide it up. He can't evict his brother because he's entitled to be there. His brother, it sounds like, is not letting him move back in. Court, unfortunately, is the only solution for this person. Well, we're going to wrap it up for today now. I want to remind you one more time, I do have a Living Trust Seminar in my office a week from tomorrow, 9 o'clock. You can go to lawbob.com or eventbrite.com and register for that seminar. Space is limited, so I urge you to register now if you'd like to have one of those spots. So until next week, this is attorney Bob Bergman broadcasting from San Jose, California, and I hope you have a great weekend. Talk with you next week. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.